Hello and welcome to another week and another episode of Acts of the Blood God. I am your host, Eric Van Allen. Cat is out on vacation this week. There are seas to be sailed, pirates to be robbed of their treasure, which is what we always assume Cat is out doing every week that she's gone. So I'm here with Nadia Oxford. Nadia, how you doing? Uh, I always assume she's buying cigarettes. I never assume she's on the high seas. I assume she's buying cigarettes. This is never coming back. She could be robbing cigarettes on the high seas. The cigarettes got to get across the the ocean somehow. (laughs) You roll your own cigarettes when you're out there. (laughs) That voice you just heard is our guest for this week, Lucas White. Lucas, how you doing? Doing all right. Um, I just published a review, and that means my backlog is slightly less terrifying. All right. So pretty bad. The backlog never disappears, though. The backlog always exists. I, this I is find especially it, bad this year. <laughs> yeah, right now. We'll we'll be talking about all that and more this week because uh, our topic for this show for this week is the hidden gems of 2022, the RPGs of this year that might have slipped you by, or maybe they had something cool going on that was just neat and and you should check out, or you know maybe it's just a thing that we think is worth your time that did not get the the spotlight that it deserved as we kick off what you know it's december it's it's time for end of year content in the media industry <laughs> it sure so, is and boys are is, a deluge yeah this is this is actually one of my favorite ones to do though i i love doing hidden gems because uh i i do think it's fun to go back and talk about the ones that got overlooked in their time but before we get there we are of course acts the blood guy you can check us out at patreon.com slash blood god pod and back us there if you like what you're hearing you can get all kinds of benefits and rewards there, including access to a bunch of specials. And y'all, there's so many specials. I It is actually the amount of specials that we have ramped up this year alone is so there, much. There's a few out there. Yeah, uh, we just actually published the Dragon Quest V Pantheon. Uh, Dragon mm-hmm. Quest V being mm-hmm. one of the most beloved RPGs of all time. And you can probably guess where it lands. But on the other hand, it's still a great opportunity for... Uh, all of us just kind of get together and talk about the game and what makes it so special. We have a uh, Jeremy Parrish is back. Uh, the King of Dragon Quest fans. So it's a great episode. You should listen. Yeah. The, the Dragon Quest five pantheons live. Now our current game club pantheon game is selected by you. The listeners at home won by a single vote. Yeah. One vote <laughs> That's ridiculous. shows uh, one person had all the power and picked Fire Emblem Three Houses for our current uh, game club game. You can go over, tune into that. If you back at the, I believe it's the $10 level over on the, the Patreon, you can get there. But if you back lower than that, you can still get to all of our specials. We have so many specials this month. We are starting the winter of Wick. We are watching all three John Wick movies and doing recaps on all of them. We're already planning the first one as we speak and uh we got a few other specials in the store we're actually going to release a little bit of a short segment at the end of this month december uh to kind of talk about what's you know the year ahead for for acts of the blood god and folks i'm excited for y'all to hear it we just got done planning it and it is mm, oh chef kiss it is very very good uh so, so head over to patreon.com slash pod check that out or if you don't maybe just leave us a review i love seeing reviews good reviews only five stars that's my rule that's not cat's rule that's my stars. rule if i i'm compelling you only five stars <laughs> everyone else goes into the garbage i guess i don't know i exactly exactly nothing but fives that's our rule at normandy i'm bringing it over here nothing but fives it's like uber mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah exactly 
no, but I really appreciate it. I actually went on there and looked back at some of the old comments the other night and uh, it warmed my heart to see some folks uh, shouting out what we do here. So if it, during this time of holiday season of warm feelings during the cold months, uh, it does warm your podcast host's heart to hear what y'all think of the show. It so. does. It grows three. Our, our hearts grow three sizes and explode. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we die. That's that's that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of Blood God. Yeah. And Christmas August, cheer killed them all. And obviously, before we get to the hidden gems, we have a ton of news this week. There's so Whoa. much to talk about. But before we get there, we must make our offerings to the Blood God their thirst must be sated. And Lucas, you are a special guest this week. What have you been playing that you can offer up to the Blood God? Oh, no. Um, I have been playing Dragon Quest Treasures and Romancing Saga, the uh, remaster that just came ooh, out. Ooh. Um, what, what are you thinking about them? Treasures is very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's just like kind of low-key chill game you just kind of run around and do stuff and that's pretty much what it is um and then romancing saga is a game that i have been terrified of since they announced it um i played the original ps2 version this is just sort of like a basically a widescreen hack of that with a couple little tweaks here and there um but that game is the reason I think Saga has such a reputation for being like hateful to its own player base. It's it's just full of like stuff you can miss and have no idea. There's just like event flags everywhere and 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 the game basically is like if you participated in this number of random battles before XYZ point, you just miss out. You don't get to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that it's just like full of things that got ironed out pretty quickly afterwards <laughs> but yeah i still love saga so i'm still awesome. playing it. awesome so what would you say for romancing saga like for for somebody who hasn't played it you think this would be a good point to to jump on and kind of start to experience this sort of thing absolutely not no, <laughs> oh, okay there's no, there's no good entry point for saga I find maybe Final Fantasy Legends on the Game Boy if you want to hurt yourself. But <laughs> I have tried so many times to get into Saga and God bless Square. They tried to get me into Saga. And the only person I know who's seriously into Saga is Jeremy Parrish. Mm, mm-hmm. God bless that him as sense. well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I remember just playing the game. And as he said, Lucas, it's like kind of weirdly cruel and random. And I went to, I remember playing one of the Saga games. I went to Twitter and I said, is it supposed to be like this? Like, am I supposed to just be like randomly hoping for things? And someone said, uh, how they put it, you've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth Kawazoo. (laughs) Yeah, that's about it. The nicest old man that secretly wants you to suffer. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, he's one of those anime tropes with a smiling, gentle old man who smiles the whole time while he whips you. Pretty much, yeah. What? Nadia, you know, what? <laughs> like it, like a, a, you know, like a shonen anime where there's a some someone training and there's like a this the friendly monk who's also just kind of okay. terrible and frightening. Okay, 
Yeah, monk was the operative word that needed to be included for oh. context there because you were like, <laughs> you know, that classic thing where a smiling old man whips you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I have to admit, even my mind did not go there this time. He's like the old man who runs a corner store in a Texas Chainsaw movie. Oh, mm, okay. Yeah. Clock shoot yeah. on the back of the head as soon as you walk away. Ooh, y'all, y'all college children don't come out here very often. Exactly. These hills, these hills come alive at night. Let's find y'all like some Final shelter. Fantasy. There was one time my father was in Florida and he got really drunk and he went into a place, a pizza place, and said, "It's a joke. This is a stick up." And the guy put a magnum on the counter. And he said, I had every right to blow your head off. And like, my father learned a, a, a lesson that day about tormenting uh, or taunting Americans and their guns. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. You don't do it. Castle doctrine, yeah. young man. Yeah. Yeah. Master Roshi abducting teenagers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Nadia, you've also been playing Dragon Quest Treasures. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, cute is definitely the, the best word for it. I think it's very, it has like an addictive gameplay loop where you go to islands, you dig up treasures and you bring them back and you build up your base. And it has that really nice, as I said, feedback loop. It's um, not exactly monsters like Dragon Quest monsters, like I think some people wanted, but it you do spend a lot of time hanging out with your your monster buddies and they help you out and they fight with you. And uh, I don't think you can rename them, which kind of has me a little bit down, but good, good, mm-hmm. <laughs> good. He says, are you one of those Renaming. Pokemon sickos? Purists? I don't rename my Pokemon. I don't. Yeah. He's strange, I, I, strange person. I will consider renaming them if they earn their place. And l- let me tell you, like some some Pokemon have earned their spot on my team and <laughs> do do deserve a name at this point. I had a low kicks. This is way off topic. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I was doing one of the last battles in Scarlet Violet and low kicks was on like six HP. And this thing dodged like six attacks in a row and oh, beat man. two Pokemon who were type effective against it. Holy like, crap. Like KO'd them with Axe Kick. Um, that Low Kicks gets a nickname. That Low Kicks <laughs> earned that name. Okay, oh, I see where you're coming from in that regard. But yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the point is you can't rename your Dragon Quest monsters as far as I know. And that is a bit of a shame. But uh, it's a cute game. I'm also playing um, a little bit of Chained Echoes. I'm kind of flipping between the two of them right now dragon quest is winning out a bit because uh chained echoes is a little more uh let's say grim but i don't do know we, if you're do we want to talk about that here do we want to save it it is i would say it is a hidden gem of 2022 oh oh good point yes it's um, great yeah the yeah end. we'll we'll talk about that mm. yeah let's let's yeah well we'll talk about that a little bit more later well we'll discuss it don't worry well, I haven't we'll get around too to too much echoes. of it so yeah i was just yeah. going by what i've played uh, but DQ Treasures, you're saying, is not really like I've heard some mixed opinions about whether it is a successor to the monsters line. And and it does have the monsters in it. But is it kind of its own thing in its its yeah. own way? Yeah. So I can actually answer that. Um, did an interview with the producer recently. Um, basically said that uh, it started as a new monsters game. Uh, it's mm-hmm. the same team. Um, but somewhere along the way they kind of like came up with this treasure hunting idea mm. and sort of pitched that and that kind of took over um so i i think there's probably still a new monsters like cooking and some on some like pre-production level but um you know it could have been like something went really wrong uh and they're just like 
not saying that because why would they? But but yeah, it's like all the same team. Um, yeah, just, they kind of pivoted. Mm. That's kind of how this happened. The treasures that you find are a lot of fun because a lot most of them are like throwbacks to certain characters mm-hmm. or certain items in the games, and you know, seeing like say the dragon scale from Dragon Quest One and how they modeled that into a treasure. It's like, oh, this is really cool. I can I can dig this. It's it is very very low key though, which is not such a bad thing at the end of the year. I like the uh, weird like merchandise you can also dig up. There's like cards yeah. from the card game, and there was one that was like a box of erasers. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that yet, but now I want it. Oh, it's good. Uh, Lucas, I forgot to give you some room to introduce yourself at the top of the show, but you are a writer for Prima Games, and and you do writing on the internet. And I wanted to bring that up because you did do an interview about Dragon Quest Treasures recently, which apparently Yuji Hori just showed up for randomly. What what happened there? Oh, my God. So usually how it works... um, is like they're like, hey, you want to talk to so and so and send us mm-hmm. some questions, and they'll send their replies. And they didn't even tell me who I was talking to; they were just like mm-hmm. someone on the team. And I just kind of, I assumed it was the producer because, mm-hmm. um, like, he's the face of it. He, he was the guy in like the Bullet Club T-shirt on that one Dragon Quest. Oh, stream. excellent! Yeah, excellent! Yeah. Nice. Excellent! Um, <laughs> so I was kind of like asking stuff that wasn't super specific, but. You know, like, I, I kind of assumed it was going to be him. And then, like, Yuji Hori was there for, like, the first three questions. Just, like, <laughs> like, like he stopped by, was like, yo, and then walked yo, away. <laughs> I'm Yuji Hori. He's just Yuji Hori wandering the offices looking for a pickup meeting. Like, me. Yeah, pretty like, much. what's going on in here? Oh, you talking about treasures? Okay, yeah, I'll hop in. Sure, whatever. I'm not making a new Dragon Quest game. Let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, open the dock and, like, just... Like my brain stopped functioning for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, mine would too. That's that's amazing. I love that. That's pretty cool though. Um yeah, for for my offering to the blog out this week, uh, we will talk about chain decos later. That is primarily what I've been playing. But I also want to shout out something else I got back into uh this week. And I will get there, I promise. Uh, you blood god folks. I know sometimes y'all don't like when I don't talk about non-RPGs on here, but look. Fortnite chapter four is out. Oh, oh buddy. Um, yeah, Fortnite launched its new big update. Uh, and here's the thing. I'm not a huge Fortnite fan. Uh, I have kind of come around to the idea of Fortnite. I think zero build helped with that. Yeah. I've always kind of disliked the building parts of Fortnite. I, I think they are conceptually cool, but then in practice, they are not actually as interesting to me uh so zero build oh oh fequinox and the stars of destiny chat says if i start flossing i'm out you don't want to see my floss y'all can't handle my floss that's a that's a backer goal right there <laughs> that's oh, a patreon goal people are going to take floss. away their, their pledges my sentiment is this number one fortnite is actually a surprisingly fun shooter like it is, i yeah. think it does a cool job of giving you weapons that feel pretty easy to handle and and it is a very approachable shooter in that way but also 
uh, it just gives you a lot of ways to play that game that are not necessarily winning. Like last night, you know, not to not to brag or anything, but me and my squad, we we linked up and got four dubs in a row. Let me tell you. And I clutched that last one. It was me. It was all me. I was the only one up left. And I clutched that dub and that felt great. But on top of that, it it does so much to make that that game feel like you are getting something done, even if you're not winning. Uh, I love that. But I think the reason to check out Fortnite, even if you've never played Fortnite, to just download it and try it out, uh, is they have updated uh, Fortnite to be using Unreal Engine 5.1, I think they're saying, but basically the new the newest version of Unreal Engine. It is so good. It looks incredible. This game, like, like you don't think of Fortnite as setting the bar for like how good a video game can look. And like I've been trying to get Callisto Protocol to run on my PS5. It's still crashing. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's bad. Everything else runs on my PS5. Callisto doesn't. That's <laughs> weird. That, that is very that weird. Game, that game looks good in a traditional sense. But the weird thing about Fortnite is it's got that cartoony kind of vaguely look. But it also looks just really sleek and clean and nice. And I think that's exciting for me because I'm somebody who gravitates towards those art styles. I feel they age better over time. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know. I don't want to play a video game for for things that don't exist in the real world. Like, you know, I don't I don't I'm not a huge fan of like photo realism in games. Uh, something I've realized over the years. Uh, and so the stylized look really does work for me. Um, and the the new map is just absolutely gorgeous. It is really something to look at if you've got like a next gen newer gen console or a PC. It is worth checking out uh they've added some stuff that's kind of cool like throughout the match you get perks that are called augments so basically like every uh let's say like a minute every minute or so you can pick a perk so you can it'll give you like two options kind of like a a roguelike almost where it'll pop up and it'll be like hey do you want to uh do more damage with your uh it's not even i don't think many of them are actually damage related now that i think about it do you want like larger magazines on your pistols or do you want uh like the first bullet okay there is a damage one the first bullet <laughs> in your assault rifle does more damage uh like every time you reload and you have a new mag in there the first bullet will do more damage um it's kind of this cool thing that they added that i think makes sense uh the more you stay on the more perks you get so the longer you go the more cool perks you get you also have really silly ones like Oh, um, one of one of the wins, I will say, I saw the chat confused about what dubs are. <laughs> dubs are W's for wins in the win column. Um, the, <laughs> one of the ones we got the other night, uh, my friend, friend of the show who hosted our back of the box segment on the charity stream, Brendan Groom, uh, was using a perk where you attach balloons to your like belt clip and it lets you fly like you're. <laughs> Like you're in the Muppet movie, like, and, and so he, yeah, and so he's like Amazing. floating above the battlefield, and the other two teams they're still in. All our whole team is wiped, and there's no reboot van. He can't get us back into the game, so it's just him trying to beat two other squads. They're still <laughs> up with three apiece, uh, and he is just floating above <laughs> the battlefield with a sniper rifle and a rocket launcher, just. <laughs> like all, all the way down and they don't notice him they're running around trying to figure out where all this gunfire is coming from and it's just raining down from directly above and he 
they can't see him. They they don't look up. It's, it's very funny. It's very it's rain and men. <laughs> yeah, Incredible. it's just like they're just, bullets. And the funny part, the rockets in Fortnite travel so slow, and so he like shoots a rocket, and then it's like ten seconds before it hits the ground and hits anything. And so we're all just sitting there, like, "Come on, come on, come on!" And then it hits the ground, and we see like the hundred damage indicator pop up, and we're like, "Ah!" <laughs> I, rules. I I know that Fortnite's a meme. I know it's very easy to be old man yells at cloud about Fortnite, and and there's definitely a lot to be said about like what Fortnite represents as this sort of like metaverse crossover homogenization of pop culture, this very ready player one type thing. I understand all of that. Trust me. I get you on that. It does sometimes skeeve me out when I think about what Fortnite is. That being said, it's also just a fantastic, just fun game to play with friends. And I, I am amazed every time I go back to it that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could play, you know, Apex or something that's like a little bit, you know, more more effort, more like design, not to not to belittle the design of Fortnite, which as I've just said, I think it's fantastic, but it's not like hardcore all the time. I'm not like in that like esports zone. I'm like, oh man, look at this. I'm yeah. alpha, alpha variation chun leaf <laughs> running around shooting flaming arrows to light up grass so that way uh, these dudes over there hiding behind a tree get all lit up in flame and have to run out of cover and then we can start picking at them with our sniper rifles and stuff it's it's just goofy fun and i really do like it that's what uh, i would play it because i would just want to buy all the skins that like kids would absolutely murder for money to get mm, and i'm mm-hmm. just like oh, i spent 50 dollars on skins and you have to do homework uh, who's the winner here not you. that is, that is one of the more the larger things I dislike about the game is they definitely use this element of like FOMO because things kind of oh, rotate absolutely. in and out of the cosmetic shop. And so when something rotates in, it's only there for like X amount of time before it rotates out and you don't know when you're going to be able to buy it again. And so it's that idea of, oh, like my friend texted me when the Street Fighter stuff rotated into the shop and I loaded up a Fortnite, logged in, bought my Alpha Chun-Li and then popped out because i was just like i want that skin i know i want that skin but it's it's weird because it does create this sense of fomo around it that it's not the most insidious monetization scheme i've ever seen but it does seem to be the new the new trend people are going towards this like here's a battle pass and here's a rotating item shop everyone's looking at fortnite and being like okay they dodge the loot box problem right like they're making a ton of money and they don't have the loot box problem that we're all facing now and in games like you know everything else that had loot boxes (laughs) overwatch is the big one but um it is i don't think it's the most insidious but i do still think it's like mm, i don't like that i sit there and i'm like I don't really like this skin. I don't think I want to buy this skin, but I don't know if I'm ever going to see this skin again. And what if I do want to play as a character from Dune? And then I stop and I'm like, actually, I don't like Dune. I don't care. (laughs) I like like Dune. It's fine. I just, I don't like Dune. Like I, like I like, you know, street fighter, you know, I don't want to play as Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) Yeah. I really want to see what John Cena looks like with that 5.1 shine. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> is he, that's for, right. He's a skin, isn't he? Yeah. There are oh, so many like people the, who are a skin the, the in jokes, that game. Yeah. The joke was like, oh, you could play John Cena and you would win because you can't see him. You can't mm-hmm. see him. I remember mm-hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff. 
Oh, and now it is time for a series of random encounters. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The FTC is suing to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard, and Activision is suing California over its lawsuit. Microsoft posits a 10-year deal with Nintendo if the Activision Blizzard buyout goes through. Blizzard Albany QA testers win a vote to form a union while the ZeniMax QA staff are working towards unionization. (laughs) Uh, Xbox will be bumping the price of its major first-party games to $70 in 2023, so Xbox Series X and S owners, that Game Pass is starting to look real good right about now. Uh, the Heroes of Hyrule report from Digino you know Gaming did get copyright claims by Nintendo. People are not happy about that. Yuji Naka got arrested again, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Vampire Survivors is getting its first DLC on December 15th. Elden Ring has added a Coliseum multiplayer update. And Fuser, sadly, is shutting down. If you're listening to this live with the Stars of Destiny, uh, myself and some friends are actually hosting an RIP Fuser <laughs> stream tonight because I do like that game and i'm sad it's going away uh, i'm sorry but the main topic for this week main news topic because we have a lot to talk about is the game awards we just had the game awards uh live the keelys aired and the keelys, they sure did yeah boy you know he said that it was going to be a shorter show he, he estimated it at about 2.5 hours uh that's a lie was really three but uh, part of that was probably because Christopher Judge gave a very, very long uh, acceptance speech because he he was thinking of the people, you know, he wanted us to get more Steam decks. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was important. Shout out to Milf Hunter, by the way. Enjoy your Steam deck. <laughs> Shout outs to Milf Hunter. Uh, download Vampire Survivors and Chained Echoes. Solid, solid Steam Deck editions. Um, I'm going to run through real quick. Uh, well, let's talk about the awards first, because I do feel like once again, the awards were an afterthought at this show. Uh, we oh, had of course, of course. we had something like could count on a single hand the number of times somebody went up and accepted an award and gave a speech. Uh, and there were categories that went by where they were best in category, as you would say, you know, best fighting game, best RPG, that sort of stuff where they just rattled them off yeah. and, and said like, here's the nominees. Here's who won. Yay. Sometimes they wouldn't even say the nominees names. They would just say, read it for yourself, assholes. And then say, here's who won. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think the esports category especially was funny oh, for yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, but 
They're just I, tired of saying all those handles out loud. <laughs> that that is important because the one the, yeah. the player who won was named yay or something so i remember the presenter oh, she had no. to be like and the winner is yay and everyone was like who who won though <laughs> it, was a, it was a good who's on first situation i was gonna say yeah yeah um best rpg winner was elden ring which i will say two things elden ring deserves to win game of the year Elden Ring should not be in the best RPG category. That is my hot take on all of this. Uh, I, as much as I do think Elden Ring has RPG elements and is in a discussion about RPGs, I really wish it had been in the action category and and or action adventure like that. That alone is always a very weird distinction too. Yeah, but I think they just have best action game so that they don't have to have best shooter <laughs> because they don't you'll <laughs> yeah. notice they don't have a best shooter category they put all the shooters in action because mm. obviously giving an award for best shooter in this day and age is not a great not, thing. not the greatest idea yeah. right right but uh i i was bummed that that best rpg was not down to a battle between like live alive and xenoblade which is that would have been interesting what i yeah. think the actual best rpg battle is down to but um yeah anything jump out at y'all from the awards specifically i thought it was really weird that stray was there stray sure got a lot of attention didn't it and i don't remember anyone really people liked the game they moved on from it because i think what cat said was that well i was expecting to play something more i am actually a cat versus i am just a cat-shaped human who can do things like so I feel like people maybe fell off a bit because of that, as cute as the game is. So I'm like, well, it sure is getting a, a lot of rewards. I don't understand this. We have the problem every year. And and I say this. So for the folks at home who may not remember the way that the nomination process works is that there's a panel of God, like tons of outlets uh, it goes that, on. that Keeley sends the nominations out to. I have in the past voted on the game awards. Uh, I did not in my day job. Uh, vote on this year's game awards so i am free of sin this year <laughs> but um the the reason why i point that out is there's a very large nominations pool and it usually ends up with the indie games that whoever has played a thing like like whatever thing has been the most prominent which i think ends up defeating the purpose of an indie award yeah kinda. right because i think it kind of turns into who was the indie darling of the AAA crowd, right? Like right. What, a lot of people were saying, what is the indie game that plays the most like a AAA game? That's what's going to win every year. And to some extent, I agree with that. But to another extent, it's whatever indie has the most backing, whatever is showing up at. Stray mm. was in PlayStation showcases. Stray mm. was everywhere. Stray mm. was being published by, uh, I think it's an Annapurna game. Yeah, and. Yeah, and huh, and a purr, no. Huh. But <laughs> if if no one at that company thought of that until now, y- y'all y'all need to work on this. And a purr, <laughs> come on. Uh, but it it had backing compared to something like Vampire Survivors, which was a on like a self made overnight hit. In a like, like Ponkel yeah. has been working on the game by themselves for a large part. And and really just making something that they really believe in. And so I was really bummed to see Vampire Survivors not get that best debut indie because I do think everyone who has played Vampire Survivors will agree that is one of the best indie debuts of the year. That was an amazing indie debut. Um, But it also creates this sort of situation where we're just like, well, everyone 
they're they're looking at a list of nominees and if people don't play indies and don't pay attention to indies then they're they're going to pick the one that they've just seen a lot and they're like oh mm-hmm. yeah cute cat game pick that one it's like no yeah. no yeah it's why we end up with jump force nominated for oh Best god I, if, fighting games is always weird to me because I do think that that category has trouble filling up every yeah, year because exactly. there just aren't that many fighting games that come out in a year. Uh, I do like that there is. I, I'm waiting for it to get rolled into one of the other categories, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm waiting for it, the way that they rolled strategy and and sim together, the way that like sports and racing are rolled together. Yeah, I'm waiting for fighting to just get like consumed by the action category um, the ever expanding action blob yeah yeah and, and like sifu was the the one that kind of punctured the bubble on that because sifu is not a fighting game it's just right. not like Absolutely. yeah why was it there it, because people were like oh it's a martial arts game that's that's a fighting game no a fighting game no. is is specifically like a player versus player like, like people understand what a fighting game is and sifu has martial arts yes but that's like saying god of war is a boxing game you know <laughs> just because kratos punches people and it doesn't mean it's a boxing game <laughs> yeah i the awards section at this point i feel like this was the year that just kind of jaded me beyond uh hope where i'm just like it is what it is i don't it, yeah, know it's never gonna there's... be anything more serious than what it is as long yeah. as keely's running it well, it, there was there was a lot of talk about like, oh, it's more balanced this year. We shortened the runtime down, and I'm like, yeah, he shortened the runtime down. There's fewer acceptance speeches. Yeah. It didn't feel like there were any fewer. And look, we're going to talk in a second here about all the reveals. There were a lot of reveals, a lot of exciting reveals. A few that were maybe a bit weird, given reports that came out about that game that morning. But that morning, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of really really exciting reveals that i'm thrilled about but it really did feel yeah super moop in in the chat in stars of destiny chat says winter games fest and yeah that's That'd be nice. winter games fest yeah. yeah um i i i don't know i for awards i will say there are good awards shows out there that i do really like i think the baftas do a great job every year of picking a really good lineup uh, obviously dice and the gdc awards are both uh developer driven so those tend to be really interesting too um i'm not saying that the media is bad at picking awards i'm just saying that because the bafta is media chosen as well i think they do a great job with their nominees i think there's just a serious consideration if jeff Keeley wants to make the awards side of this better is that there needs to be more acceptance speeches at least from some of the best in category competition and then there maybe needs to be a re-examination of the nomination process because they're like it's just clear at this point that a lot is not getting done to to highlight anything but the upper crust of, yeah. of gaming that's definitely the biggest issue like i was kind of thinking here like there's just not the same kind of foundation in games that that you see in like you know the grammys and the oscars yes like, sure. yeah those are often uh, run by like committees and people mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. within the industry and um you know they, they don't necessarily rely on advertising to put those together like it helps some the tv deals and everything but like keely he, he just doesn't have you know 50 years of 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 self-sustaining award mm-hmm. show stuff mm-hmm. to to like really 
I'm sure he like really, really wants to not have it covered in advertisements and stuff. And uh, he's just kind of like, oh, the way he was like practically crying when when the Armored Core trailer was coming up. I'm <laughs> like, that's a very, very good point. She is a <laughs> yeah, gonna blow it on stage and gonna die. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, it's. I do think he likes the world premieres at the end of the day. I, yeah. I think he said as I much feel in interviews like, too. Almost like this whole show. I always feel like this that it's Keeley's birthday party, and we all kind of have to attend <laughs> because he's not like a terrible person. He's just kind of the rich kid who's really out of touch. The gift bags he, are great, exactly, and the gift <laughs> yeah. bags are great. And it's like the oh, gift bags full of surprise new video game announcements. Yeah. Fine, Keeley, I'll go to yeah. your bar mitzvah or whatever, and you know, go in the pool, get the customized mug, and get out of there. Mm. Yeah, I. Uh, to to the point about the Oscars. So fun fact, um, I was on the mailing list for a while for four year consideration screeners for mm-hmm. like movie awards and stuff. So I used to get the they they just send DVDs out. They're like, hey, oh, we're yeah. campaigning. We want to be dominant. They will send you a thing that's like, here's what we're running for. We're going for best picture, uh, best yeah. actor for so and so, best actress for so and so, yada yada yada, and and like we watch our movie and vote for us if you like us that's not as common a practice and i mean number one like there is kind of it will happen where people will be like hey we're a pr firm representing so and so uh we want to be considered for whatever you know best of the year lists you're doing uh do you need some keys are there people on the team who haven't played it yet we'd be happy to help you out and that's always great because let me tell you like like buying games is one thing but having to play all the games to get ready for end of year it becomes a a fiscal investment that's part of this job at some points uh that's and so i always appreciate that but it's also like the structure around it is like people campaign for the awards right like they want to get it in front of people they want to get the votes there is more of a going to the nomination process that's happening there versus what I think happens with movies where they are actively at, you know, outreaching games are more removed games are, mm-hmm. are, Oh, well you, you should nominate us, but you, you go get our game and play it first. And yeah. so I think that's why a lot of places have trouble. I think that's also why a lot of the indies you see succeed are the ones that do a lot of the outreach, but look, it's, it's indies. They don't have that foundation. They don't always have that backing to be able to do that. In some ways it is a miracle that vampire survivors got nominated. Yeah. Like, it's so it's frustrating. I do wish we had the infrastructure to change that, but that's going to be something that takes. Yeah, it's going to take a while. I think yeah. part of the problem is that video games are not allowed to grow up. Like we In some ways, yeah. boot people out of this industry by the time they're 40, they burn out, they mm-hmm. don't make enough money. So you never see anyone over the age of like, I, I think I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I called it some children of the corn shit. <laughs> and uh, that mm-hmm. got a lot of attention because that's what it is. People turn mm-hmm. 30 and they, they disappear. I feel like, he who walks between the rows is coming after me because I'm 44, 42. Oh, no. Sorry. I feel 44. <laughs> All right. So we do need to talk about the reveals. There were quite a few RPG specific reveals as well as some other ones. I I'm going to run down the list real quick mm-hmm. and then maybe we pick a few out that we want to specifically talk about, but final fantasy 16 is coming in June, 2023. Diablo four is also coming in June 6, 2023. And that was the one that had a report about its working conditions come out. You can find that at the Washington oh, post and I, I recommend reading it. <laughs> Dear me. 
Baldur's Gate 3 is arriving launch window August 2023. I cannot wait. Fun fact, I did get uh, pre-briefed on that one, and uh, they confirmed uh, that that was Jahira and Minsk from Baldur's Gate 2 that are that are in that trailer. So they they will be in the game. That's very exciting. Uh, Hades 2, maybe yeah. <laughs> like my biggest reveal, honestly. Uh, this is the first time Supergiant's doing a sequel. That's really exciting. That's really awesome. Armored Core 6 got revealed. Death Stranding 2 got revealed. I told you all that shit was coming. <laughs> Idris Elba is going to star in the Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty DLC. Uh, Blue Protocol is coming to the West in 2023. Uh, Celeste, the, the dev behind Celeste uh, and the Extremely OK Games are making Earthblade. That's uh, going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Suicide Squad will feature, I, I think it's going to be the last ever uh, Batman performance yeah. by Kevin Conroy, which is a very um, bittersweet moment, let me say. It was really nice to to hear that that's going to happen, but it was also just a, a somber reminder of um, Kevin Conroy. Yeah. Was, I mean, everyone, everyone, I feel, of, of multiple generations and who has played games and stuff involving Kevin Conroy understands. Yeah, he's... Mm-hmm. Oh. He, he is ba- yeah. a a batman like he is one mm-hmm. yeah for sure mm-hmm. there's last... one thing uh, i'm sorry i interrupted uh there's no, like one thing no, left fine. to come out um it's that batman cape crusader show that was supposed right. to be on hbo right. max mm-hmm. um, oh right oh yeah i don't know the like the timeline like what was recorded then but like i think that's literally like the one thing that hasn't come out yet um mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. this is like the last time you're gonna see him in a video game for sure absolutely yeah and dead cells is getting castlevania dlc oh that's, that's go. gonna be fun i haven't picked up dead cells in a long time i'm gonna have to now um for me personally hades 2 is a big one that's um, huge that's great. i did i did some additional research into all the the gods and stuff that they showed uh it's following i'm gonna butcher this name i'm sorry melanoe uh or or, or just mel if you want to go with the zagreus zag shortening uh who who is the uh, the daughter of Hades? Uh, it's unclear uh, what the circumstances of her birth are that led to her not being around when Zag was trying to get out of Dad's house. But uh, she is brother to Zagreus and the daughter of Hades. It looks like Hades has been imprisoned in some way by Cronus, and the main enemy of Hades too is Cronus, the the Time Titan. Uh, I kind of dig the vibe. So here's where I'm going to go. Big speculation. So I, I look through the trailer. I picked out all the different deities and, and gods that are in that game. Uh, you've got Nemesis. Uh, you've got um, Mordo Moro, uh, like the, the incarnation of doom specifically, not death. That's Thanatos. Uh, but like the incarnation of doom, like impending doom, that which I really worse. love. It's very good. Um, but also Apollo does show up. Apollo was not one of the gods in the original Hades. You, like, I don't remember him being in the first one. So he wasn't in the first he, one. He was not. And that was that was a big thing that fans wanted was like, obviously, Artemis is in there and a bunch of the other main pantheon gods, quote unquote, that you would consider for, for Hades were in the first one. But Apollo wasn't. So right. Apollo is here. Um, and, and Hecate, I, I, again, I'm probably mis- butchering that pronunciation, but uh, Hecate is... Uh, the kind of mentor for Mel. And it looks like this, this game Hades two is really leaning into like the sorcery magic, mm-hmm, witchcraft mm-hmm. side of mythology. 
Hecate. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Super Move in the chat. Um, in the trailer, you can see they're they're doing a fight, and there's a great part where Hecate like traces a circle on the ground with her foot and then hops out and it leaves like a magical trap for Mel to fall into. Uh, Mel is wielding like a dagger and a sickle, which is a really sick weapon combination, but also I think really speaks to that sort of casting magic idea. Um, Here's my big brain tinfoil theory is that Cronus has somehow returned and imprisoned the gods. And so now Mel is going to have to work with some of the more esoteric BC list gods of the Greek pantheon to try and get them out. Uh, And I think that is a potentially that is just my speculation, but I do like the idea of working more with the sorts of gods that we have not seen yet in Hades and the aspects of Greek mythology that we have not seen yet. And especially I feel don't get explored as often we tend to stick to the the heavy hitters you know mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the the avengers of the greek pantheon if you were but uh much like midnight suns i enjoy it more when we dig into the the esoteric uh mystical parts of that stuff so i'm very yeah, excited i saw about that. i saw a tweet that said basically uh, from supergiant saying that they are aiming to stick to the lesser known aspects mm-hmm, of greek myth mm-hmm. like it's part of the pre- reason they have mel in the first place because uh, apparently she has a mention in Greek myth, but not much beyond that. So oh, she's very yeah, very vague. Um, yeah, much like Zagreus. Uh, there's not there. There's like some stuff to work with, but there's a lot of room for interpretation, which I think Supergiant does well with. Kronos was in in terms of the pantheon. I know that of course Hades plays it kind of fast and loose, but like Kronos was kind of the first one. Like he was the mm-hmm. the father of he Zeus was the dad and Hades. dad. Yeah, he was. The he was but then he was the, killed. He was the first patriarch that was overthrown. I think. If I'm getting that right. I might be mixing up the first one I know of because it's been a long, Norse, long time since yeah. I did anything with Greek myth. But yeah, so maybe it could be looking at a prequel of some kind. I don't know. The original dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was the he was the leader of of the Titans basically. So when the leader Titans get overthrown, uh, it is that that Zeus overthrows the Titans and establishes the pantheon, and that is uh, that's dad coming back for vengeance. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nadia, what what was a reveal that stuck out to you? Uh, well, Hades too was a big one. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But well, you kind of put me on the spot there. I'm throwing it to. <laughs> I'm, Lucas, I'm throwing it over. Lucas, what was a reveal that stuck? Well, out Well, I to remember. You? Um, for better or worse, I think Diablo. Mm-hmm. Um, they did have Halsey on stage. Yeah. But like uh, if we were planning on talking about the report, um, mm-hmm. that's kind of why it stood out to me. Yeah. Um, and like I missed the dead cells thing, but I probably would have been like losing my mind if I saw that all of Castlevania. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you should go if you haven't seen it, yet, you should go watch it because I mean, it's it's Alucard. It's um, I believe it's Richter. Yeah. 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 Yes. Richter. Um, I think Maria. And, but they do um they do a part where you see Dracula and he has the wine glass and he tosses uh, it and shatters it and that is mm, that is an iconic video game moment right there uh every time yeah it is the moment okay i remember now i'm a little more hyped for final fantasy 16 because uh we have a dog a oh, dog yeah, we do have a dog yeah, yeah. Us, a husky uh with an armband of some kind so yeah i'm looking forward to that earthblade is kind of what i was looking forward yeah, to yeah yeah perfectly honest with everybody here i was just not a big fan of celeste like i don't like Mm -hmm. 
I like intense platforming, but it has to be very specific. And if you can mm. add combat to that, because I'm a violent little goblin, <laughs> then I'm going to be a lot cooler with it. Like, I actually really loved Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I thought the platforming mm. there felt great. So it can be done with me. And I think mixing up a little bit of combat and making maybe that more of a focus than the platforming, which is still there, that's, that's going to probably mix well for me. I remember that was the whole thing when we were planning the Blood God Olympics was we wanted to do like a Celeste speed running competition between the three of us. And you're like, I, I don't like Celeste. I'm not good <laughs> at Celeste. Not. <laughs> I do appreciate it very much for, I mean, for the fact, first of all, as a Canadian developer and to my knowledge, the only game I've ever played where Canadian, where Canadian spelling was an option, mm, which uh-huh. is just such a rare unicorn of a thing that I never Finally. get to use anymore because I'm always writing in American or I'm writing in British sometimes. British English, 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 whatever you would call it. So the Canadians yeah. get their game. You love to see it. I actually had a lot that I was really into from the show, like Death Stranding 2. I'm I'm interested to see what Kojima does with that. I thought Death Stranding 1 was really, really interesting, um, did some really cool stuff. So I, I'm curious to see what a sequel looks like. Armored Core 6, I'm going to say it because Kat's not here to just scream into the mic about it, <laughs> but Armored Core 6 lo- looks so sick. It's ridiculous it cool. how cool that trailer is, like just straight up. We haven't seen anything about it yet as far as actual gameplay goes. I hope there's still that, you know, kind of, I saw someone refer to it as like Gran Turismo, but you're using a, a Gundam or whatever. That's pretty cool. Uh, I can play Jesus. that. And and I hope it retains some of that because I have played some of those original PS2 ones. I liked them a lot. Um, Idris Elba and Cyberpunk, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, you know, why not at this point? If they can somehow get Keanu and Idris in the same room, I'm down for that. Uh, but Baldur's Gate three, outside of Hades two, Baldur's Gate three is probably my big one. I I've not been subtle about how much I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, Jahira and Minsk both being in it is pretty cool. We also got to see a look at Baldur's Gate itself, uh, but that just kind of really made me appreciate how little of that game we've seen so far and how much uh, Larian has kept under wraps about that game. Uh, And God, I just, all the characters in that game, I really do love. Uh, They were, they were showing, you know, Shadowheart and Lazelle and Asterian in, in that preview trailer, not Gale. I don't like Gale. (laughs) 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 Um, I, I was just looking at all those characters and being like, Oh man, this game it's got good companions. It's got fun combat. It's got, it's gorgeous. The story, the writing's very good. Like I'm this hoping could, that it's like, this could you be can a competitor. Yeah. If you can like kind of jump into it, if you don't really familiar with one and two. Yeah. Well, I mean, it plays functionally differently from one and two, one and two right. are kind of that classic, um, Western RPG, like that era of Bioware that was more of a real time with pause, uh, sort of combat. Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, Baldur's Gate 3, controversially, is is more of a turn-based uh, strategic affair, um, which I think is actually going to make it easier for a lot of people to engage with because those rules are going to make a lot more sense to them. Uh, right. Like, it is using a D&D rule set, but playing it, you know, I, I inherently understood ideas like, oh, there's cover, there's sprinting, there's uh, ranges on things, and and aoe's but there's also a lot in that game that's just like pushing is one of my favorite things to do you just push somebody and you are allowed to push things off cliffs and throw things off barrel or like throw barrels at people uh you can like throw an oil barrel at somebody and it'll 
crack and spread oil everywhere and then you can light that oil on fire and it'll do extra damage and all that like that's just good that's good awesome. old-fashioned wholesome fun good old-fashioned <laughs> wholesome fun good old-fashioned yeah. terrible yeah. warfare That's the Game Awards. Lots of fun reveals. There were awards too, I guess. Elden Ring won Game <laughs> of the Year. Too, Some kids stormed the stage and said something that sounded like a dog whistle. <laughs> so, oh, that whole thing was so. I don't give that kid any intention. Yeah, He's who just... cares? Flute player. Flute, Flute player's player. the there MVP. Oh He's my god. that turn into journalism discourse the next yeah. day. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, how dare they turn into journalism? No, I, all about flute guy just absolutely getting it during that Xenoblade section of the game of the year uh, medley, which, hey, look, if there's ever a time for a flute player to get it, it's during Xenoblade. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's the game awards. It's is it going to happen again next year? Yeah, yeah. we're going to say a lot of the same things again next year, probably. But say <sighs> luckily, say luckily. Hidden gems. Let's talk about the hidden gems, the ones that that get snubbed. Uh, we are in our end of the year talks for Blood God, Acts of the Blood God. And obviously coming up, we've got our talks about the year in RPGs, uh, the whole year in review. We've got the year ahead, but we like to have a special segment where we talk specifically about the games that felt like they got overlooked this year. Um, and and to, to kind of start it off, uh, a hidden gem RPG. What does that mean to us? What what does that uh, effectually mean? Is it a game that is a highly rated game, or is it just a game that does something cool that that we like? And and I guess I'm gonna toss it to Lucas because Lucas, I do consider you a player of obscure RPGs. I often <laughs> see what Lucas is playing on you know, on my Discord or just in talking to you, and I'm like, huh, okay, in the world I haven't really that? heard of that before, but that sounds neat. And, and Lucas, what, what is it about some RPGs that just keeps them from breaking into the limelight? That's really hard to answer. Um, <laughs> I think this year, actually, um, you can kind of see just in like what Square Enix has been doing as mm-hmm. like a good example of how games just get left behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people just kind of don't see them don't talk about them don't don't hear about them um you, you know regardless of their quality like i know you're going to talk about a specific game um one i was hesitating to bring up uh is the front mission remake that just came mm, out mm-hmm. um and i barely touched it but i played it a little bit and it seems really neat and like super respectful the source material mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh weird that they outsourced it um <laughs> But it's just like there's so much coming out and the the way games get covered. Mm, it's so mm-hmm. easy for those like seven, six and a half, eight out of tens or whatever to just vanish from mm. kind of the at least the, the community talking about it. Um, and then you get the stuff that's just like, you know, two guys made this. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a miracle. It was even published by someone, and it's just mm-hmm. nobody talks about it. Just, it can be a lot of those, uh, like all of the above. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. it can be a good game. It can be a game 
don't think is good, but has like interesting stuff about it. Um, and it could just be something that you trip over on Steam, especially nowadays. Mm, yeah, yeah. It can it can be a lot of different things. I I do feel your point about like the the six and sevens is that like. I, I, I've talked to people about this before. I'll actually bring this up. Robo Riley asks in Stars of Destiny chat, isn't everything seven or eight and ten reviews these days feels like that to me? Um there there is kind of a running gag about like that the eight out of ten or, or the seven out of ten is the new five out of ten and all that. <laughs> yeah. Um I do think there's a reason for this. I've talked about this for, for years actually. Um it's kind of a selection process, I think. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, let's talk about the media a little bit. Um, when you write something about a game, it's an investment of time and you want to see return on that in some way, right? Like you, and that's not even me being like, oh, they want, you, you want clicks. Obviously, like I work in the media. Yes, we want clicks. That's like, <laughs> that, is, that yeah. is how the the checks get cashed. That doesn't mean that anything's being written intentionally just to get clicks, at least not at the sites that we own and operate. But um we don't own <laughs> much like real estate, no ownership there, but uh, it's, it, it means that the things that you write, you want to write something that people want to read. And, and to be honest, nobody wants to read reviews of the sixth weird anime girl puzzle game to come out on switch eShop. Right. And maybe you read one out of novelty, but you're not going to show up for the 17th. Right. And (laughs) it, it turns into a thing where there is a bit of a selection process where you go, you look at a game, you you consider it. You're like, Oh, is this something we should cover? And one of the considerations that comes into mind is, is anybody going to read a review of this game? And I think the hard part about that is it does create a process where the cream of the crop does rise to the top, but it means that a lot of the indie reviews, especially a lot of the hidden gem type reviews you see are ones that have to prove their worth over and over again. They can't just be good. They have to be great. Mm-hmm. And I, I've talked with indie devs about this before, actually, because it is a, it's a struggle to get noticed in general. And I, that's kind of why I like talking about the hidden gems, especially is that I think there are a lot of games that do really cool things. I don't think that's an an out of pocket thing to say. I think that, you know, (laughs) there a lot of games come up with really cool ideas that uh, maybe the whole game doesn't come together around it, but it has an interesting idea. I think the the standard bearer for that for this year for me is the Dio Field Chronicle, where that that game has a really cool idea at the center of it. This real time strategy RPG battle concept that uh does feel very unique compared to the deluge of tactics games that we had this year. And it's one that I, I gave it a seven out of 10 and I stand by that seven out of 10, but it is one of the more interesting seven out of tens that I've played this year. It is one that I really, really do hope that they make more of because it's got ideas. Does it Mm -hmm. deliver on everything? Absolutely not. There are some problems with that game, but I, I do think that it, came out the gate with something really cool and I'd love to see more of it. And that's kind of the hard part is that there are so many games. I mean, Square Enix, you said, Lucas, there's a blunderbuss Square Enix RPGs this year that uh, even within the realm, if you are just a fan of Square Enix RPGs, there was too much coming out this fall to keep up with all of it. And people I know were having to be like, 
well, I would like to play that, but I can really only play like one RPG at a time. Yeah, and I exactly. already bought the one that came out last week. So yeah, yeah. Mm. I was just say like a lot of the stuff that we would give the twos and threes and what to, you know, <sighs> yeah. like a lot yeah. of that stuff. A doesn't exist anymore the same way it did on like older consoles. For sure. Games sure. Coming no. out. And then B it's like usually on like mobile now where you see like yeah. all the mobile or, or like Steam, Steam or something. Yeah. yeah. So it's so much easier to be like, I can tell just by looking at this that we don't need to bother with it. <laughs> you know, right. No, you're right. It's those are kind of those two and ones are really from a day when the best you could do for a game review was look at some static images and read what some guy said about the images and, you know, you had the back of the box, more images, but you didn't have video. You didn't have uh, much of anything, really. You just had to take your chances. So you had to, it was so much easier to get crap. Mm, I mean, all mm. of us have a story. Last week, we had that story about what terrible games did you get gifted for Christmas in the past. But yeah, these days, it's like people really put a lot of, since video games cost so much money to make, they put a lot of money into consultation and stuff like that. So, and just, they spend a lot of money doing that spit shine. So even a quote unquote, like mediocre game is going to look pretty good these days if it's going to get far enough to for people to notice it. It's, it's also a case of like it existed in a time when magazines needed to fill space. And so often like a little yeah. just a little you, you go open a crack open a game informer or something. You'll see it. There will be like the big page reviews, but then they need to fill X number of pages for reviews. And so you can tell that some of them are like, oh, here's like a four paragraph, like three out of ten review of some game you've never heard of. And that's content, baby. That fills the page. That gets rid of the white space. And and <laughs> if you've never worked in print, you don't want white space. You you want that. You want that gone. You got to fill that whole page. And uh, it's. I do think there is something to that. That idea that like you do, but but who has the manpower? Who has exactly? You know, even, I I think one of the more interesting things I've seen, and I promise we'll get back to the actual hidden gems RPGs, and we'll talk about some good ones because I do. I really want to talk about Chain Echoes. Um. Shout outs to MinMax specifically. They do uh, a, a segment over there that I've started watching and, and rewatching the VODs of. Uh, that's where they go and they find like just bargain bin Steam games and play them. And it's a really interesting segment that they do because it is just here's there's stuff coming out on Steam you didn't even know about. There's there's stuff releasing there every day. And this is the stuff that like no one wants to invest the time in writing a full review of because you look at it and you're like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And it becomes a novelty in and of itself. And so that's a different kind of content completely, but it's, it is fascinating to see how even coverage is having to adapt to the amount of games that are coming out these days and, and how to cover them in some way. Um, but to circle it back around to actual, uh, hidden gems of RPGs. I think another factor that comes up and, and one that has sadly affected a game like chained echoes is when it comes out. Yeah. Because number one, it's bad to come out around a big, any big game launch. And these days when there's basically no break month anymore and there's just constantly big games coming out 2023, have y'all sat down and thought about how many it's big games of, are coming out in 2023? It is I think daunting. We're in I yeah, in we're we're Ralph Wiggum. Haha, ha, I'm in trouble. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just going to go off the grid in June. Just like, yeah, yeah, I'll deal with this. I, I'm going to go live in a cabin. Oh, God. I, I can't imagine <laughs> being idea. a guides writer in 2023. That is no. going to, some some people are going to earn their stripes. <laughs> like, um, But 
uh, Chained Echoes is one that's come out at the end of the year. I feel like every year we have one of these. Omori was a similar way uh, where Omori came out at the very end of a year. I think it was 2020 because uh, I think that was right before USG closed. But Oh, that's um, a good cheery game to play right before. Yeah, I, re- I remember it because I think I pitched something on it. And and so I was like, when did that come out? When I would have pitched something in December. Oh, right. That's why. Um, but it, it chained echoes for those of you at home. I, and, and trust me, the discord has been yelling at us about this game. So I did. I I I have listened. I have heard we are playing it. I, I know two of us here are playing it. I'm pretty sure we're, we're breaking the seal on cat playing it, too. Um, it is a love letter to an old era of RPGs. I mean, it literally opens with a faux chrono trigger opening where you mm-hmm. are asleep in bed and your mom wakes you up and then it pulls a little twist that I do like. That was funny. I laughed. Um, but it's a love letter in the way that does not feel like it is just trying to like I, I keep referring back to I am Setsuna because I think I am Setsuna is a game that wants to be an old RPG and just can't be an old RPG. Uh, whereas Chained Echoes feels like a game made by somebody who took what made those RPGs work and then modernized them in very interesting ways. That game, it is rare for me to look at a turn-based RPG and say it has excellent pacing. This game has pacing. It moves yeah. in a way that I did yeah. not think RPGs could could move at a good pace in, in the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> but... Uh, the opening to that game is is just ooh, it's boom, it's boom, 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 over and over again. Just cool beats. Um, it does really fascinating stuff with the the character progression where you don't have levels. Instead, you kind of earn you can earn gold stars, which go towards unlocking skills from like a a skill board for each character. And yeah. then you have SP, which I think goes towards leveling up those skills. Yeah. And then uh, you can also I just got the thing where you can get a class emblem, which can teach you class abilities that are kind of. um, Oh, I haven't gotten that yet. Yeah. Yeah. You get them. It it, kind of introduces them, but you have to win a challenge battle to do it. Uh, But you get a thing where it's like, oh, it's like Final Fantasy Tactics, where you learn a job and you level that ability up. But then once you've learned it, you've unlocked it and you can keep it and you can switch to other class emblems to learn Mm -hmm. those and set those as extra abilities that just work across the board i love those it's it does so many little things that are all you can feel them pulling like i can see how it pulled from like the final fantasy 12 um i forget what it's called the level up board that they have in that uh where you kind of move across a board and level people up on it yeah like there's there's a system that's kind of like that uh, they have an overdrive meter where using certain abilities will, will either pump up or, or reduce your your overdrive and you want to keep it in the green because if you're in the green, you're doing extra damage and abilities cost less TP, your your mana, whatever. Uh, but if you go into the red, you start taking extra damage. But if you're in the yellow, you're not doing overdrive. So you want to like throttle it and keep it like right at the green. So you're having mm-hmm. to make these cool little decisions as you're playing and make very careful choices and sometimes risk you risk it for the biscuit, <laughs> you know, go like, I think this move will win, but it will put me in red overdrive and the enemy yes. moves next. So they could hit me and they wipe me. <laughs> kick your ass, basically. No, it's really great. Uh, I, I like games that kind of make you juggle those systems. And, you know, you have to think about all the moves you use, whereas it's so easy with an RPG to like have one or two moves that you use and everyone kind of gets left out in the, in the rain after that. But with this mm-hmm, game, mm-hmm. you do have to think very carefully about 
your attacks, your buffs, your debuffs, and your healing. And I, like I said, I haven't played much of it so far, but I'm very impressed with what I played. The music too. I got to shout out the music. Music is amazing. Um, yeah. I love the music. I love the look of the game. It does that sort of, is it parallax where it has like the, yeah. the backgrounds in the back that are kind of moving as you're moving around an overworld that looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and a lot of the cutscenes are just really phenomenal. Like yeah. they do some really cool stuff with big boss sprites and you have this, it's this world where it's, it's fantasy and everyone's kind of using swords and magic and stuff, but they're also, uh, sky armors, which are just mechs. They're just like, what if we yeah. had mechs in like this mechs. world? Yeah, well, we have uh, some gears in here. Here's some Gundams, <laughs> and you know what? It it's cool because when a Gundam shows up, like things are getting serious. Like that is, they they make it very clear early on that like Gundams are not to be messed with in this mm-hmm. world. They are they are the the tanks of medieval fantasy, and oh, it it's such an interesting. But it came out right at. December whenever mm-hmm. I mean December yeah. 8th I think was its launch date and I was already working on my game of the year list by the time this came out I mean yeah. I was already like trying to play some Midnight Suns to consider whether that was something I wanted to put on my list and now I'm going like I really like this game like maybe maybe like full-on want to put this on my end of year list like this game but is it recency is it going to mess with that and so it ends up in this weird place where it, I, I hope it doesn't get forgotten. I don't want it to get forgotten, but it does feel like it's going to be one of the hidden gems we talk about like years from now. Where we're like, hey, remember Chained Echoes? We re- the Blood God remembers Chained Echoes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just like Pepperidge Farms. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas, what about you? Where are some, some hidden gems of this year that you've enjoyed? The one that sticks out to me the most. Real quick, this was actually really difficult or more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. One thing I noticed to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, is a lot of games and RPGs that came out this year were like, uh, you mentioned Amori. It was like mm, the game yes. already came out on Steam a year right. or longer ago. Right. And now here it is, and it's on consoles. Which is where I played it for the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, especially in, in coverage and stuff, it's like hard to count those games. Um, or mm-hmm. at least there's there's discussions and arguments of like, does this game really count as like it came out this year because it technically mm-hmm. is out before? Blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of that. Um, but uh, Little Noah is the game that I, I scrolled past and was like, oh yeah, this game. Um, basically, Cygams had this tactics RPG um, I had never heard of and it shut down pretty quickly. They took like the characters and assets from that and made a like side-scrolling, actiony, roguelite RPG just soup, and it's got all these like uh, elements that you would see in like a gacha game mobile, but totally like built around just a game you you just buy and play. So like the pacing is good and it's not. Mm-hmm. badgering you for money and all this stuff um and then it's got like the side games has um oh what's his name the final fantasy tactics art man whose name i can re- never remember every time i, <laughs> I, think I call about him, him the same thing so yeah he's like he works over there now so a lot of games from side games pop up and you're like oh that looks like that guy who did the art and it's like yeah he was in charge of it um so it looks nice too um but like where the RPG part comes in beyond just like having stats and stuff. 
the gotcha element is you collect these creatures and they are they're like your attacks so like it's it's like a side scroller so kind of metroidvania looking and you mash the attack button but the properties of your attacks depend on like what creatures you have equipped and where in the combo stream you put them and uh what they do um so constantly whenever you're getting a new creature or whatever you're figuring out okay do i want to use this does it fit in the combo i have set up does it disrupt things so i have to basically start over because i want to use this thing or it's elemental properties blah 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 um and you'll get things like okay so this attack is like uh, a launcher but it leaves me on the ground this attack is a launcher but it takes me with it uh, this one has knockback this one's like a range thing this one has like a, a timing element to it and you kind of have to like piece all these parts together um in ways that you know don't mess you up right and it's just like the the list you know it's like a gotcha game so there's like star ratings and if you get doubles of the same thing it gets better and blah blah blah, blah. and it's just like you're constantly like taking pieces in and out and throwing it in it's just got a nice little loop. And then it's like the roguelite part is just like you die and you get money and you put the mm -hmm. money to like make your stats better. I wish I got money when I died. Right? I mean, and then, and and then it could be and... stronger. Yeah. <laughs> and come back. Yeah, I could deal with that. I mean, let me get some more HP this time. Here's 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy some <laughs> HP, some extra HP. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it was this game that was just like, it was on a Nintendo Direct randomly and, and nobody cared. But, but it like, it just like kind of. It caught my eye. I'm just like, I need to track this game down and play it. And just loved it. Um, so that would be my big one. Yeah. Little Noah, was it Scions of Paradise or something? Yeah. Scion of Paradise. Little Scion Noah. of Paradise. Okay. Scion of the Seventh Dawn. Nadia, do you have any hidden gems this year? I just want to give a, a, a shout out to Harvest Stella for very much the same mm, reason you mm. shouted out Deal Field Chronicles, where it was from that weird blunderbuss uh, event. Let's call it that. And like, everything from the blunderbuss it kind of got a little bit lost as far as i know i don't know the sales numbers but i'm sure probably not as good as they could have been and like do field chronicles it is a game with problems but there is so much potential there for a sequel to really improve upon everything and maybe start a new genre because like i really like the world of harvest cell i think it's extremely mm, interesting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think the i actually do like the mix of farming and combat um Reb was on the show once and she pointed out that the the economy doesn't makes no sense whatsoever and she's right like <laughs> the way that buying and selling it is completely wonky but it doesn't matter just yeah had a has a good story great characters um you can do kind of social links with them and and learn their story you can tell though it's lower budget because it's not like you have cut scenes acting all this out it's mm. all a lot of text but mm. it is i think for to reuse a term we used earlier more of an interesting seven out of ten than mm. a lot of seven out of ten so mm. i would like to see that get a little more recognition from square i hope they didn't send it out to die that's what i'm saying yeah i think that one's an interesting one because it does feel like it's square testing the ground right like it's square yeah. kind of being like huh wonder if this farming life thing can work out for us what you if know? It, what <laughs> if we throw a baby in the water let's see if it can like save itself or, or drown <laughs> And the chance is 50-50. Beavis can swim really well. <laughs> Why do you know the statistics? <laughs> <laughs> well, I made that up. But I do know babies can swim. Like, is like, 
educated studies have shown 50% of all babies. <laughs> instinctively, babies end. are good. The way I see it is instinctively, babies are very good swimmers, but probably not great. So that's the chance Harvestella has. Like, they have the potential, yeah. but they're probably drown. It's weird. Uh, that game, like, they, they, I'm pretty sure they showed it off in multiple directs. It seemed like they were really pushing it. Especially on Nintendo, right? It was on yeah. all the Switch it was stuff. On, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was on at least one Direct, but it just feels like after that, like it got lost in everything, like everything else. Like, yeah. Do feel, like, like the last month or two before it came out, it was just like suddenly they just didn't give a crap about it. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. I do think it got eaten up by the fact that everyone's trying to make their, their Stardew slash Animal Crossing uh, now. You know, yep. Disney Dreamlight is kind of an Animal Crossing. There's the one that's being made by... I think it's like the Dauntless developers they're making mm-hmm. a yeah. Fae yeah. Farm. Um, that looked fun. Yeah, like everyone's kind of got. There was one I just saw the other day that looked kind of interesting called Kinseed, and I, I thought it looked cool because it has like specific like Midsummer influence mm. <laughs> of like, oh, we're we're a small rural village with like customs. And here's the burning man that we're going to burn to to make the harvest good. Oh, Is there someone inside it? Who could say? And, <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Like Dark Stardew. I'm, I'm kind of into that. Um, yeah, I, I do think to shout out one, we have talked about a lot of... I, I honestly think Chain Echoes is very, very good. Uh, mm-hmm. Real talk. But another one that I think is a legitimately incredible game that I do wish got more attention and was in the game awards and did not win the one category it was nominated in because that category is a silly category that doesn't make any sense <laughs> what does games for impact mean oh, oh what is God. that what there's is, no definition what is Who that really say it really just means here's a bunch of games that should be in the running for game of the year but they're not god of just war all them Ring. honorable mentions yeah yeah it's frustrating but citizen sleeper is one of my favorites mm, of the year possibly right. my favorite of the year because uh it is a vaguely RPG game. It is you roll die and then slot those die. It's very like tabletop RPG in that way. Uh, But I thought the way in which it used those die and how you accrue those die and how you manage your meters over every given day to try and survive on this uh, space station that you have washed up on. If you, if you are unfamiliar with the times I've talked about it before on here, you are a runaway sleeper who is a basically in in the future you are able to clone your consciousness and send it off to be a worker in an artificial body for money it's very severance in that way uh and uh you are a sleeper who has escaped uh and you are trying to live out your life on erlen's eye which is an outpost on the fringes of space and obviously uh the company wants their property back because that's what you are Uh, and it's a very interesting game about bodies, artificial bodies, how temporary our bodies can be. The like the idea of living with the need to get this medication to keep your body running while also just trying to get by and survive. Uh, working jobs, but then finding community in those places and and the ways that communities help each other, especially those that uh, help the community. Uh, that, it is. It, I know I keep saying the word. It's a game about community. It's a game about how um, found families grow in places where they need support to stand up against these uh, 
forces these businesses, these capitalist ideas that come in and try to eke the life out of them. Uh, and it is very, oh, it's, it's quite good. It, it is quite good. I, I love, I, I love those ideas. Yeah. Uh, Fequinox in the chat says uh, Blade Runner meets the Matrix. Blade Runner is a very good. If you watched Blade Runner and were like, oh, this idea of replicants and using human like labor as labor and sentience and stuff like that, that interests you, you will like Citizen Sleeper a lot. Uh, it's one that I think has been largely overlooked, which is a bummer. Uh, I am not- very interested in playing it. Uh, I mean, you say. Blade Runner, I'm thinking Mega Man X, practically the same thing anyway, but yeah. <laughs> I love how Nadia, you always find a way to bring it back to Mega Man in some way. Like, here is a connection that somehow we're back to Mega Man. <laughs> Mega Man is like the six, six trees of separation of the video game land. Mega Man is all. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of some other major RPGs this year. Lucas, you have Metal Max Xeno Reborn, which is one that I feel like I've heard people talk about. I've heard some discussion about it before. Um, is, is it one that you would say is a hidden gem of this year? I don't know. So I, <laughs> I put I put maybe in parentheses because this mm-hmm, is like mm-hmm. a game I've been fascinated by. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell if it's something I would recommend to other people. It's like a tank RPG, right? Like you play as a tank. So Metal Max has been around since like the (laughs) Famicom. Um, Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. always been this like post-apocalyptic like RPG, but like you're using tanks instead of people for the most part or some combination of the two. And Metal Max Xeno came out on the PS4 a while back. And it was just like this really like not even low budget, like no budget game um set in this like wasteland and 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 you're playing as these characters who are drawn by like some unhinged hentai artist Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. just got this like griminess to it that's like (laughs) it's like it it reminds me of like really trashy like 90s ovas uh Mm, like apocalypse zero and stuff like that Um, cyber city 080 yeah, just just really like trashy and 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 crass and like kind of selling me on it. Nothing you would be like, oh, this is this is you know a group of characters I think I'm rooting for. Then the tanks come in and you just basically get a giant toy box of of stuff to play with that intersect with each other in interesting ways. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So you've got like your tank. And your tank has like its shell, which is its HP. It's also its carrying capacity. Then you have like special weapons, machine guns, cannons, and they all have their different properties. And then you have mm. parts that you put in that can like say, this makes all of your machine guns fire in one attack. Or this like does something with a specific slot on your tank because they're like numbered or whatever. You can get a tank early in the game and keep it and just play with it and it would be a completely different looking machine by the end of the game and just something about that was like just hitting me the right way and like the oh man i'm like i'm making something interesting here like i'm making a, a almost like a little system right because of like yeah. like the parts with like the automation and everything like that so it's like what can i put together between these weapons and these parts and blah blah, blah to just 
just deal a crap load of damage with as many mm-hmm. weapons as possible in one turn. And that game came out and nobody cared because it was like a <laughs> yeah. tiny game, like Katakawa right. published, I think. Story of 2020, um, 2022. Yeah. So this is, I want to say this is like 2017 and 2018, something like that. So then like they were like, oh man, this game bombed. Let's remake it. <laughs> oh, this game did terribly. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, but like the budget is not going to change and we're going to totally shift like the whole gameplay style of it and we're going to like just take random chunks out of it and replace them with something else and it's just like it's so bizarre. Like the existence of this game doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. but it's still got like a lot of really interesting stuff going on with like all the customization and the tanks and so on and so forth. And it, and they really like dial down the, like uh, I say crassiness. I think I'm going to stick with that. They dial that down. They get a different artist to do the character portraits. It feels a lot more like serious and the music's quieter, but like, it's still the same story as before. I don't know. And, and then like they sold the license to the series to, I think side games actually picked it up. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but, but somebody, somebody bought metal max from these people. Like right when this remake came out in North America, it was like the day before or something like yeah. that. And so it, it was like, just like we have this license and we really screwed it up. Here's a hail Mary. We're going to try again. And, guess it didn't work so we'll just sell the ip i think to to recommend this game to somebody you have to be really into rpgs of course you have to be okay with a lot of the kind of bad stuff that comes with a a, like oh i can look at this until it's a low budget game right like you have to be willing to put up with a lot of stuff that most people would say is bad because there's also a lot of like interesting things about it and it's just this mess that can be really compelling if the right parts about it click with you in the right way. And the game just lives in my head. Like I'm fascinated by it. It's almost like Elden Ring. I played that game for 200 hours and I have no idea if I enjoyed it or not. <laughs> um, oh, but I did love it. Yeah. But, but like this one doesn't have the critical reception. Blah, blah, blah. Sure. I don't know. It's just like if, if any of that sounded neat or interesting <laughs> to anyone listening i would recommend picking it up it's on it's on the switch it's on the ps4 like it's going to be super cheap eventually i'm yeah. sure uh physical copy will be 400 dollars in five years that kind of thing mm. you know? <laughs> um so yeah that's metal max well i think that's a good wrapping point on the the hidden gems of this year uh it it is always a year you know there's there's tons of games we didn't even get to symphony of war as ruka points out in the chat uh stuff like i mean god name any square enix rpg that came out this fall but (laughs) but like you know voice of cards had trouble sticking out and even i feel like tactics ogre yeah I, i even feel like tactics ogre got buried this year uh it just in the middle of the 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 tidal wave of what this fall was games wise even midnight suns and stuff like that feels like it was flying under the radar so i i do think it's difficult and it's you know going into 
a 2023 that just looks positively stacked. I'm looking at things like sea of yeah. stars that are like, maybe sea of stars sticks out. Maybe sea of stars. I does so. Okay. But I mean, it's a year where we're going to have Starfield and Baldur's gate and final fantasy and stuff like that. It's, you, and you the hope. new yeah ff14 expansion will be at that year too oh yeah the- theoretically theoretically yeah. <laughs> you know? uh but it's i i'm glad we do these to kind of look back at some of the games that do feel like they they got missed out on um yeah aiden chronicles uh, i mean so aiden chronicles 100 oh heroes God. is supposed to come out next year i believe yeah and so uh, but rising rising was this year and mm-hmm. rising was pretty cool it was pretty I neat. rising one of my yeah. actually one of my games of the year it's a lot of fun uh it has some repetition but the core is there the mm-hmm. characters are mm-hmm. there so i think we're gonna get a great game out of 100 uh, 100 heroes Definitely. yeah uh asked asked libra asked the libra is another one that i've been poking at that I don't know if it's something that I would put on like a best of list right now, but it is, it's got some neat ideas. Um, and, and you know, I, I like having this moment where we can at least like acknowledge that, yeah, those games happen and they might have something for you too. So, so go check them out. I imagine this won't be the last time I talk about chain decos on this podcast. Cause no, probably I'm not. literally sitting here going like, Oh, I want to get off this pod and go play more chain decos. And <laughs> <laughs> until then, Nadia, why don't you take us home? Uh, well, something came up right before the Game Awards, and that was the fan selection vote. And that was hilarious because somehow it got between Genjin Impact and Sonic, which is the oh, most cursed man. face-off you could possibly mm-hmm, think of. Mm-hmm. But I have one that might be a little more cursed. And this goes back to, shoot, it was like late 90s, early 2000s internet. This is when there was a Canadian, there is a Canadian uh, animation station called Teletoon. And back in the day when it was very new, it had no money whatsoever, so it aired some Canadian stuff. It aired some uh, really cheap stuff that it bought. Uh, it was a really interesting mix. But anyway, the point is, it used to air Sonic Undergrounds, which <laughs> is, if you know anything about the, the the hierarchy of animated Sonic cartoons, it is down there. It is not the, a very well-loved cartoon. dregs uh, at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, so you're familiar with it, Lucas. Oh, and oh unfortunately. The yeah. triplets born. <laughs> it's from no weights. It's just like the most terrible theme song you could think of like it was sonic with guitars because the people up top said hey uh sonic is cool music is cool let's combine smash the two into a a chimera of horror sure anyway this was a terrible cartoon but a lot of teletoon watchers were so desperate for anything remotely anime because it didn't have any anime and anime was the hottest thing back then Hmm. so they latched onto sonic underground now at the same time Another cartoon came out, and this was an actually an excellent cartoon. This was called Cyber Six. Uh, oh, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I was like, so, oh, she mentioned Cyber Six. Oh, heck yeah. yeah, Cyber Six. <laughs> and you guys, like, have you seen the uncut version? Because I think America cut its version up pretty badly. Uh, but I don't know. The point is, that was also another cartoon that was actually extremely close, close to animate. It probably was animate. It was like Japanese-Canadian, so... I suppose it counted. But anyway, it came down to Teletoon having a what's the best cartoon we're running right now poll and thinking it'd be fun and normal. Oh, no. And of course it wasn't. The poll came down to Cyber Six versus Sonic oh, Underground. No. <laughs> and 
Cyber Six, you know, we're kind of like the, the Chad versus Virgin meme because we're like, you know, being all polite and casting our votes like normal human beings. And the Sonic Underground uh, fandom, somebody found a way to stuff the ballot box with like, it was like something like half the population of Canada. So it wasn't even possible that oh, that this no. was a, a legit vote. Like they couldn't even choose a legit number. It had to be like four million or something stupid like that. So. <laughs> oh, this hurts just to listen to. <laughs> So I'm what hearing about the, you know all the the Sonic fans because Genshin Impact won over Sonic at, at the Game Awards. The, the Sonic fans saying, "Oh, they got they stuffed the ballot box. They're cheaters." And it's like, yeah, "There, but for the grace of God, go you, 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 you strange little children who actually liked Sonic Underground." This just sounds like the Game Awards thing was karmic retribution. Like it really some was. divine mm-hmm. force was like, "You, you deserve this." These were the sins of your fathers, yeah, uh, maybe, exactly. so maybe it's not directly your fault, but the retribution must be had through the blood. Also, exactly. like I say, this lovingly Sonic fandom, y'all y'all don't have the numbers that Genshin's got. Like no, the second I don't that think so. I mean, the the theory was that if Genshin won, you know, they would get like currency or whatever for rolls. Yeah, or, there was or some sort like of that. gotcha thing, some deal. Um, and the second that kicked up. There was there was no stop there was, in it. There was no. no oh, that was gonna win. I just love that <laughs> that both games stomped Elden Ring in that category, and I think God of War as well. Just no. This, this is the strange game category. We don't. This is not the normie category. You go over there. Yeah. That look. I'm not saying popular vote is a bad way to run an award show, but when you run an award show based on popular vote. That's what happens is it yeah. just it turns into like fandom line drawing in a way that's just like, uh, 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 uh. Uh, so that's, that's the note we're going to end on. You know, thank you, everybody, for, for tuning in and listening to this week. Axe the Blood God. As I said, we've got a lot more coming up in the next few weeks. If you are a star of Destiny, which, hey, shout outs to the folks that turned up today. Azixa, Not Hollow, Mango, Olds, Fequinox, Robo Riley, Ruka, Sardin, Supermove and the Black Stones. Y'all have a lot to watch coming up because uh, we're going to be recording a bunch of our end of year stuff over the next week or so. So keep an eye out for that. Also keep an eye out for our winter of Wick and all the other specials that we got planned. And oh, can't wait to tell y'all about 2023. We got some good stuff in store. Before we bounce, Lucas, where can the folks at home find you and all the wonderful stuff you do on the internet? Yeah, uh, only two places, which which might be weird for this uh, space. Um, I know, that's I good. am that's at good. primagames.com, where I'm one of the two staffers full-time with uh, Jesse Vitelli, who I believe you all are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show. Yeah. And then you can find me on Twitter at Hokutono Lucas, where I don't post for days, but then something like makes me... Uh, irrationally angry and then suddenly mm. i'm posting a lot in a short that's life that's that yep. that's what energizes us these days that's what twitter's yep. for let let they amongst us who have not angry tweeted or subtweeted throw the first stone <laughs> uh throw the first yeah, bird th- as always you can find me at at c moosey and nadia at nadia oxford and cat who is not with us today at uh, the underscore cat bot and you can follow blood god pod at blood god pod and we're on patreon.com slash blood god pod where you can back us and follow all the things we do and tune into our weekly show and more we'll see all the stars in the post show but for nadia for lucas for myself thank you all for tuning in we'll see you next time on acts of the blood god 